Hey everybody, it's Eric Clark. It's Monday, November 13th. And uh, this today's video, I'm gonna review Apple, the greatest consumer staple ever created. And, you know, I think it's important to realize that Apple is pretty much in every large cap ETF. In some ways it's in every large cap fund. Although from an active management perspective, if you look at the data, Apple is one of the most under-owned stocks uh, in the in that large cap basket for large cap actively managed funds. So, you know, in the QQQ, it's it's a it's the largest holding. I forget like eleven percent or something. So, you know, in the in the Russell one thousand growth, it's a big weighting. So, you know, if you're investing in ETFs and you're largely doing large cap, which most people do, you have a big chunk of Apple, um, and that's been a really good thing. So let's let's just talk about some of the things because it's a bit it's a little controversial today. Two point eight tr trillion in market cap, three hundred eighty five billion in revenues, terrific gross margins, forty five percent, massive brand love, exceptional brand loyalty from customers, super strong demographic exposure. So you know if you'll recall from a um, mega brand perspective. We want companies that appeal to kids all the way up to adults, male and female in the US and around the world, and that sell at least one product or service that customers love, but then also build on that and, and allow people to keep buying products over time. So our ownership of that brand and their products grows and grows and grows. And that's really when you get exceptional market cap gains and stock returns, et cetera, over time. And so, you know, I mean, look, I, I always tell people, look at your own household. We're a household of three. We have three iPhones, uh, three Macs, uh, mostly laptops. We have two sets of AirPods, two iPads. We use Apple TV. We have Apple, you know, iCloud and the services with Apple Care for our phones. We don't have any of the he headphones yet, and we don't have any watches. So in theory, they can get us on the watches. I just don't, my my daughter would love an Apple watch. We'll see at Christmas time. So, you know, long story short, this really is a recurring revenue machine because iPhones are about 52 or so percent of sales. And these things have to get upgraded every two to four years. Certainly if you're in a pinch, and the economy has slowed, then you hold on to your iPhone for longer. But over time, the thing just gets obsolete. The battery runs down. The It's really slow. You use up your memory, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I'm, I'm surprised people are surprised that the stock trades at a higher multiple. Um, if you think about why things trade at a higher multiple, it's, you know, you got good EPS growth. You got a high, super high quality company. You got a high quality balance sheet. You have high quality products with massive margins, strong brand love, strong global appeal, high recurring revenue, lots of free cash flow. Like, would you expect that to trade at a 10 multiple? I, I certainly wouldn't. Um, I, in fact, I, I saw a stat, I'm going off of memory here, but I think when Warren Buffett and Charlie at Berkshire started buying Apple. I mean, the multiple was under 15 times. So they obviously saw the opportunity and the scale and scope of this business at a lower multiple 
knowing how, you know, what a staple kind of a service it was, particularly on the iPhone sales. So, you know, just wanted to go through some of the progression and people always say, oh, it's not an innovator and I'm just not buying what they're selling. I mean, the, the first Macs rolled out in 1984, then they had color monitors, then we had the PowerBook in 91, the iMac in 98, uh, then we had the iPod. Remember the iPod to listen to your music? That was the coolest thing, along with your Sony Walkman <laughs> in 2001. Um, then they they introduced the, the MacBook in 2006. We got the iPhone moment in, in June of 2007. By the way, I think there's like 2 billion iPhones that are active today. So that obviously has been the, the major driver of the success story of Apple. But, you know, you had Apple TV launch in 07. You had, you know, by the way, your iPhone was 400 bucks in 07. It's, you know, 1100 today. And it's a, and it's a you know, powerful mini computer that sits in the palm of your hand. So it's pretty exceptional technology. iPads in 2010. EarPods in 2012, the watch in 2016, then we had the HomePod, which is 2018. So, you know, pretty significant innovation that kind of, you know, Apple's Apple story is you buy one product, which gets you to love the product and the brand, which forces you to buy other products because they're all integrated. And then once you're in that flywheel, it's scary as heck to get out of the flywheel. Again, that's what drives a massive multiple. So the service revenue is about 85 billion. Max are about 29 billion or so. iPods, uh, about uh, about 25 billion in sales. The AirPods are 14 and a half billion. On its own would be an amazing business. And then obviously iPhone sales are about 200 billion and about 52 or 53% of revenue. So, you know, Along the way, just so you know, the IPO was 1980-ish. 43 years later, the stock has returned about 187,000% versus, I don't know, 3,000% on the S&P 500. So not even close, right? But the important thing is through that period of 43 years, you had to endure some massive declines. And that is the key, Right. We love stocks that go up and to the right, but the reality is a lot of people get spooked and when the stock goes down, they think there's something wrong with the business and it's never going to recover. And candidly, it does happen if a company loses its way and they lose their vision and management stinks and they they get, you know, competitive threats kind of come from everywhere. That's a whole different ballgame. You have to assess whether the company is still kind of the old company and they still have the ability to innovate and recover. If they do, it's a gift. Buying those kind of businesses on sale is a gift. And, you know, in 1980 through 99, you know, you had two big drawdowns of at least 25%. One was 45. After the internet bubble popped, the stock was down like 78% until the bottom. You had a 50% drawdown or so in 08, in 08, 09. So just understand these, these drawdowns happen. And assuming the company is still the same company, doing the same things, doing it well, generating profits, delighting customers, you use that opportunity as a gift and you buy more shares. So you get a chance to earn that long-term return. 
Now, you know, from an innovation going forward, I'm still a little bit, uh, I, th I still think this Vision Pro, these, these goggles that people are going to wear is still kind of up in the air. It's going to be a super expensive product. So don't expect that to be a meaningful driver of revenue anytime soon. It certainly could give uh, the brand a lot of hype um, over the next year or so. But we'll see. We'll see. It, it's still really the service revenue and the iPhone that's driving this bus. And I, and I, you know, one of the important things today is that I, iPhone sales, basically, you know, Apple product sales have been a little stagnant. And, and, you know, people worry, well, it's trading 25 or 30 times, but the product sales and revenue were pretty stagnant. But you need to understand in COVID, there was a massive pull forward in a lot of companies with, with demand for products, working from home, having extra cash from the government, um, not working as much, being able to have that excess savings to be able to go buy that new iPhone, et cetera. And so you, you had this massive pull forward that's now normalizing, that's completely normal. But remember, once you get into the Apple ecosystem, you never leave. And so that, that pull forward of people coming into the network, and then ne next thing you know, they're buying more of the Apple products, all of which have to be replaced over a two to five year period. So the flywheel just got bloated with more people in it and we're slowing in sales, but that's why the service revenue was strong this quarter because you have that so many more product owners in the in the system, if you will, that are continuously buying more iCloud storage and um, uh, Apple Care products for, and then obviously the new i15 is rolling out, and it looks like sales are pretty good, and it's a pretty sexy product. We have one upgrade so far in my family, so I, I would not be worried about the higher multiple. This is the kind of business that warrants a higher multiple, and I wouldn't be worried about persistent slowing sales because we are in that normalization process and then the ramp up of that recurring revenue is going to start again with people upgrading iPhone and all of the other products. And, you know, if you have the AirPods, mine are busted up already. So those things absolutely need to get replaced. After about four years, your Mac needs to get replaced. It's just too slow and there's a lot of technology. So, Massive, massive amount of free cash flow. It's like a hundred billion of free cash. They pay a very small dividend at about a half a percent or so, but it grows every, excuse me, grows every year. And if you look at the, the mix of things, 45% of sales come from the Americas, uh, about 25% in Europe, China's about 16%, and the rest of Asia Pacific is about 13%. So you know, there there is still plenty of growth ahead and, and India is just getting started. And we all know that because of COVID, lots of companies, including Apple, have been moving their supply chain kind of uh, out of China, or at least in part out of China. So they have less risk if any COVID, any disruptions, any wars, anything like that happen again. So India is a major forward growth driver of Apple products. They're becoming a manufacturing hub for companies all over the world. And, you know, in 2005, here's a fun fact. In 2005, the per capita income for the average Chinese consumer was about $1,750 uh, a year. 
And fast forward, because of all the manufacturing that's happened in China, you know, the world through manufacturing pulled a billion Chinese out of poverty and into the middle class, if you will. Their per capita income is 12,500 now and, and certainly growing. They have their own demographic issues, et cetera. Now, fast forward, look at, look at India. India has more people than China, much better birth rates, much better demographics, 1.4 billion. So they have more people in India. They're more higher, they're higher educated, very tech savvy, and lots of businesses are moving into India. Per capita income in India is about $2,600 a year. So that's going to go. That's going to go up just like it did in China. And so that's one of the reasons why part of our focus on finding stocks is what brands are really beginning to resonate in India with Indian consumers, because that economy has such high growth, has such great demographics, uh, and a population that's that's tech savvy in general. So you know, no company is without its risks. We have these lawsuits with the DOL. We have this app store potential um, issue with, you know, monopoly behavior. So th some of that certainly could change. I, it would not shock me if the app store fees had to go down a little bit. A good hedge on that are all the companies that are losing money in, in or not capturing as much money in the app store like Spotify and Match and, you know, all those companies that have to pay Apple that toll for being part of the app store. China is always a wild card. Everything from high nationalism, just being kind of anti-American sentiment to, you know, potential wars and technology. And if they, if they have a war over in, in Taiwan. Um, and so, you know, supply chain disruptions in China, but Apple's working all of those things. And and, and frankly, you just can't, you can't plan for those things. You just have to identify again, if the business is still a, a solid long-term business and has lots of growth opportunity over the long-term, and if the stock gets thumped over some, for some reason like that, then you have to assess and or buy more. And that's what I suspect we'll do with, with Apple. So um, just looking, lastly, look at the, the most recent quarter, the September, September quarter, which was Q4, you know, almost 90 billion in revenues, that's $994 million a day. Um, Apple does a lot of money, does a lot of revenue on a daily basis. Amazon's still our top holding currently, does a billion five a day, just to put that into perspective. Uh, different gross margin profile, obviously. Apple has great margins. Uh, their December quarter, uh, $117 billion in, in um and total revenue looks like services 16% growth year over year. So we had some kind of stagnant growth in their products, but uh, gross margins were up, service revenue was up. And I mis misspoke. The guide for the December quarter for Apple is 117 billion versus 90 billion. So they're they're guiding for you know pretty good holiday quarter across all of their metrics. Um, you know, dividend growth stocks tend to do really well, ver particularly versus high dividend growth. Apple has it. High quality balance sheet, great pricing power, high brand love, all of those things that tend to be uh, what drives good, good stock performance, particularly when we have higher inflation, right? If you don't have pricing power, 
and you know you could be in trouble so what they've shown that they not only have pricing power but they're not suffering much demand destruction with the prices going up and remember you know when we rolled out the iphone in 07 it was a 400 product now it's an 1100 product with great finance options partially subsidized by the telecom verizon t-mobile at&t but that makes us feel easier about going about buying the next iPhone. And, you know, uh, again, this pull forward is real, right? And in, in, in fiscal 2019, they had 260 billion in total sales, 142 billion were iPhones. That was 54% of the mix. Fast forward to today, 383 billion in sales, 200 billion in iPhone. And again, the, once you have the product, you don't ditch the product and you eventually upgrade the product. So the world's greatest recurring revenue consumer staple machine is still a, a top holding for us. We don't own as much of it now at the top end of the range, but if you just, I'm just kind of looking at the chart here, it certainly took off in a different, at a different angle during COVID, but you know, high of 198, the stock's at 184, most estimates have it at 215 to 220. Um, and it's, you know, there's there's not a lot negative to say right now. The stock has defied, you know, people's logic. Everybody bashes the fact that it, you know, iPhone sales have been stagnant for four straight quarters, but the stock's still going up. And I look back over time, there have been periods where iPhone sales were pretty flattish, even down on a quarterly basis consecutively four or five or six quarters and the stock still performed well remember we live in an etf world whether we like it or not and so when people put money into their stocks apple because it's the largest company in the country will just get a bigger share of that investment dollar so that etf effect is real and it's not going away so whether you like it or not this business is still getting the benefit of a lot of different flows so we we love it. We continue to love it, and we continue to buy it on dips. I hope that's uh, interesting to you. And we'll uh, I have a couple of other me mega brands um, reviews to do over the next couple of days. Thanks a lot.